Property Matters on Dublin South FM, the show that brings global trends to an Irish audience. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or by email at hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Your host for today is myself, Carol Tallon. Uh, due to ongoing COVID-19 restrictions, we're recording remotely, um, so please ex- excuse any poor sound quality. Um, I'm delighted to be joined on the line now by Ray Cook, Managing Director of Ray Cook Auctioneers. Ray, you're very welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Um, so, Ray, I can see through social media and online um, online activity there that your firm is keeping busy during this time. So, look, tell us tell us a little bit about how you're finding the market. Is, is there any market at the moment locally? There is a market there. Um, I suppose, look, if, if we step back to March, March was, we kept going until the lockdown actually happened. Now, obviously, with, with all the social distance and pro- protocols, we obviously all the offices to the public uh, at the beginning of March, I think even before they announced that, uh, for the safety of our own staff. But we just kept going. Um, we did viewing by appointments, obviously cancelled all our open appointments, and uh, we kept going. Now, obviously kick into the lockdown, um, sale around 50% of what we normally are. Um, considering January, February and March, we did the same amount of sales in, in each month. We're probably down at the moment around 50%. We are, are actually, we are actually up on lettings done. So um, the amount of lettings, there's a lot of landlords have contacted us. Um, a lot of them Airbnb, a lot of other landlords that would have rented out houses themselves contacted us and we've obviously been uh, actively going out and doing the online videos, FaceTime videos, um, walking through, recording videos on our iPhones and them over to people. And people are happy enough because I suppose there still is a rental crisis. So people, I think, are forgetting about this, that obviously with the ongoing crisis uh, in the healthcare system and with this uh, coronavirus. So it is important that I suppose people are still, you know, finding properties. And I suppose that's what we're trying to do. There's lots of healthcare workers there as well. If, if, if a healthcare worker got onto us, we made sure they were top of the list. Um, of and, and we tried to get them the location that they needed. Um, as, and we tried around their time as well because um a lot of them are working four or five days 12 13 hour shifts um which are turning into probably and 15 hour shifts by the time they sign off and sign over and everything like that so we've tried to work around that there as well but yeah look it's it's it is difficult times um it is difficult times definitely yeah Okay, and I suppose your catchment area, um, you you take in Tala Hospital, and you'd be quite close. You'd be close enough for some of the other for some of the other hospitals around Dublin. We have five offices around Dublin, so like I said, if you look at our Northside office, our Finglas office in Dublin, eleven. Sure, you have Bowmount, you you have the Matter. Um, if you go down to we've uh, Clendalk and Talla, Terenure, Raccoon. So basically, you have uh, Crumlin, uh, you have Tal. You've, you've basically every. You've, you've absolutely every single one there. So Connolly. So you, you have every single one, and it's not just also 
we're doing a lot with the nursing homes, nursing home staff. Um, we've just done a deal with a, a nursing home um, over the south side. Um, they obviously had to put their... They obviously, their, they were going home to families. And yeah. uh, they, they were... so. And we there was a couple of guest houses that we would have as clients, and we've gone off and rented it to them so they can uh, go back and they have their own room and uh, facilities uh, there as well. So so it's not just nurses, and we've been dealing with cleaning staff in hospitals. We've been dealing with everything there now. So like I said, it, look, it's it's they're doing unbelievable work at the moment. So I do, and I've seen a couple of other companies do it there as well. Um, so I think it's it's we have to look after them. I'm sure they're looking after us at the moment. You know they're keeping the country yeah. afloat. Look, absolutely, and actually that's a great point. I hadn't considered that. Um, despite all the all that we're hearing about nursing homes, um, at the moment in the news that obviously there would need to be exceptionally strict protocols there. So that does give rise to to housing. So, um, I so look, I'm surprised to hear that lettings are up fifty percent. But maybe I should no, no, so, no, no, no. The lettings are up. Uh, we're down fifty percent on sales on what they agreed properties. Right uh, now, out of we, but the lettings have increased. Yeah, lettings have increased by around twenty percent. Um, this month okay, so and far, and obviously we've another are they, ten days to go. You know. Okay, are they all short term lettings? I mean, are, are, are what's the no, lease arrangement like? In, I would say 10, 20%, 10, 15% of them would be up to six months and the rest of them would be 12 months normal leases. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you're managing, you're managing things in terms of, in terms of technology, are you set up for electronic signatures and yeah. like, can you do the entire lettings process remotely? Yeah. So like we, we do, we have our own CRM system that we designed. I was with a friend of mine that he was looking after my computer system was given out to me for years and I looked at a couple of other CRM systems but there was always pros and cons that they were always missing stuff that we felt that you know okay that might accommodate sales but it doesn't cover our lettings and management or if we got another CRM system that covered lettings and management but it didn't cover our sales side or commercial side of the business so we needed something that fitted all those boxes and we, we so we made one ourselves and he works in one of the multinational tech companies, designed the first and has been developing it really over the last number of years, keeping adding to it and taking away from it. And it's an absolute brilliant system. So we have that. So, yeah, so we can do everything online. Uh, we're getting digital signatures, um, doing everything. So basically, minimum contact as possible and as swiftly as possible there as well. The day of posting out a lease and taking two weeks yeah. to come back to you is that was jesus four or five years ago now so it's it's not yeah. uh we, we haven't been doing that for a number of years so we use like hello sign for that there as well so i know there's other docu sign use hello sign for that um regularly okay. there and that's for our letter of engagements and everything like that now as well we do that you know so 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 from the tenant's point of view can they engage with you entirely via their mobile Mobile, email, we have online chat system there as well. So our website there as well. Obviously through social media network. We Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter there as well. So but every single... So the first thing I suppose we did was we, we picked up the phone, I think the first week in March, and we rang every single client. We rang every single managed tenant. We rang every single managed landlord. How are you getting on? 
our things. We're here if you need us. Uh, we don't know where this is going to go or where this is going to end. But if you need anything, here's our phone number. Here's our email. The office the office lines are still open, even though they're, they're not being manned, but they're being manned remotely. Um, so it's 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 business as usual, to be honest, and it has okay, to be. Yeah. And- yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and in terms of sales, um, in terms of sales, are you, had you had you gotten, say, walkthrough videos done or video tours done of yeah, every yeah. list of property you have? We were doing that before everyone else was, Carol, because like, if, if anyone looks back at our social media, uh, we've been doing videos the last three years and all of our all of our properties and the nicer properties, maybe, that looked a little yeah. bit better. So 50% of our sales properties we were doing it. We didn't do it on any letting ones. Um, but yeah. So it was very that we saw this coming um, so we straight away just went out and, and uh, we did two videos we did a video that you could put up on social media and we did a more tour video that showed every single corner of, of the house or apartment or whatever so it wouldn't be necessarily something you put on social media but it's a more uh, it shows every corner you know you'd open up under the stairs and you'd show that or you show yeah. a cupboard you know so it was just so because obviously people like we've done a huge amount of lettings without people physically viewing them um, so like I said obviously they, they've let them on the back of these videos or us doing FaceTime with them um, and kind of going through it um, or even the the WhatsApp there as well, where there could be two or three of them there as well. So we'd have the two or three of them on the video. So if they have any questions or they'd ask or something, we could answer it in real time there with them there as well if we, if we were walking around the property. So that kind of really worked with us. And you'd be lost without technology, I think, now. Like, you know, so if this happened, yeah, this happened 10 absolutely. years ago, I think we snookered, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a great point. Look, we've been pushing and promoting um technology for the built environment for the last number of years through PropTech Ireland and what we're seeing now at the moment is that the people who embraced it really have a head start here and you know they're able to keep things going and in terms of valuations are you doing any uh, any virtual valuations at the moment? We still have to do bank valuations, physical bank valuations, yeah. because the, obviously the, the financial institutions are still open and the banks are still open. So we, we, like I said, I'm I'd be um, a blue book valuer, so I still have to go out and do bank valuations. But obviously we're all, oh yeah. So is that still going on during the shutdown? Because I had understood that was shut down. Yeah. So we have to do them, yeah. So like I said, now we're only doing them. I'm only doing them on vacant houses. So, okay. um, so basically, we walk in and it's a vacant house. If someone is living in it, we're basically saying, "Look, you're going to have to wait a couple of weeks because obviously uh, I have a young family at home here. So, and my wife and children have been since the schools closed have been uh, I wouldn't say cocooning in the house, but they, they they nearly have been. So, I don't really want to be bringing anything home, you know. In this, uh, so it's very strict yeah. guidelines. There, we go in, we make sure all the doors are open, we have our gloves on, we have our uh, we have obviously washed our hands you know we have our masks on as well so we're to be honest evaluations don't take that long you're in and out within their bed semis or two bed apartments or four bed properties so you're in and out in less than three or four minutes basically like you know so i, okay. I would be familiar with I a lot had... of the properties yeah so okay no i i but then that's something that i'd gotten wrong because i had understood that um bank valuations were not considered essential work so they couldn't be done over the last three weeks they so have been that's so interesting it, yeah, it, it fall, it, yeah. It's, it's the same whether believe it or not even though my guys are working from home it's the same with the financial service of a financial services company which is mortgage brokers and like so technically they fall into that area that they could technically still be working you know so uh, from the okay. office but they're not but it, it does fall into that financial services category yeah so now in fairness like 
we, we, we are doing them, but obviously, like I said, we're, we're only doing the. I'm only doing the ones personally on vacant properties because. Uh, well, you can't get into new houses because all the building sites are closed down as well. You know. Yeah, so. absolutely. And um, you know, can I can I run a, a query by you that came into my email late last night? I got an email from a lady. I don't know. She she just. Um, heard an interview that was done on the radio and she reached out to me in absolute desperation uh, late last night by email. Um, herself and her, and her partner, they were due to be purchasing through a local authority. Um, it was a local authority yeah. loan under the Rebuilding Ireland loan scheme. And a week before they were due to draw down, the local authority asked for a letter um, to state that they were both in full-time employment. Um, but unfortunately, the, this lady in question has been temporarily let go just uh, due to COVID-19 and has a letter to say that that um, she still has a permanent contract yeah. and that, you know, that will be reinstated uh, as soon as this crisis passes. Um, but, the, but the difficulty is that the, the builder's solicitor now is saying they won't hold the property and um, they're in danger now of losing their 10% deposit if they can't proceed with the drawdown so they're left in a really difficult position Huge. and i think this is something that's going to be coming down the line with a lot of people anyone who have you seen have you seen any instances like that coming into your yeah office? so we obviously with the financial services company as well we'd be well included in relation to the mortgage side of things um, I think it's going to be something that's going to be coming down the line because anyone who's who's been getting this, if you would call it, to three hundred and fifty euros a week off the government through yeah. their payroll, um, and if they are applying for a mortgage, the bank will more than likely not give them that mortgage at the moment yeah. because they they're the, the way that the bank will it's the typical banks the banks are going to look at the company and kind of say, well, obviously the company can't afford to pay your wages, um, and then they're this well hold on in two or three months time is this company going to go but so and um, that's the way the bank now that's the most simple way of putting it now carol like so it's yeah. more technical than that and that's the way the banks are looking at it at the moment so anyone if anyone has been getting that 350 euros payment and is going through a mortgage they might have a problem there now the, the, the way around that is if let's just say they were due to draw down in may hypothetically go back to work in may let's say properly and they can get a f- f- month where they're not getting that three fifty, the bank then will be okay with that. But if if they yeah, you see the bank the bank will, but if the vendor's solicitor isn't yeah, but you know but, what but, happens but, to the ten percent But again, now it's it's it, it's not like a, even uh, there is a lot of people out there that still want to buy and will come back and buy. But at the moment, uh, there's people uh, how many a couple of hundred thousand people have lost their jobs. You know, so yeah. um, it's great for the builder to try to do bully tactics there. But in the end of the day, do they have um, a queue of people there behind? They probably did, but do in the last month or if circumstances not changed so I, what I would say there is communication with the builder and have a chat with them and say look I'll be out of this hole in a month's time but the time they went off and say let's just say they were say agreed with Carol and all of a sudden they're, they're trying to bully Carol there and then they want to by the time I go off and do all the paperwork sorted it's going to probably take six weeks eight weeks anyway and a normal market and it's not a normal market so like the bill like at the end of the day this hopefully will be sorted out for her like you said she's in a permanent contract so if if restrictions yeah. are lifted in may sometime and people 
gradually, maybe like it was when the schools closed down and we were doing the whole social distancing thing, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And people would be asked if they can work from home, work from home. But I think once I think things start to gradually open again, um, which probably would be June. Can't see pubs or restaurants opening and it's last of the summer maybe but i think i think yeah, smaller yeah. businesses and main businesses as well um i think once that happens it'll be fine but to be honest i don't think i think there's going to be a lot of this coming out in the summertime where people are selling greener properties now um, and now all of a sudden they weren't let go but they got the payment from the government and then all of a sudden that's good i think this is going to be a big issue now in the, in the next couple of months yeah you know, and, and look, I, I've been very I've been very positive about the, the robust leadership that's been shown by our government in this. And I think there was, you know, some really fast uh, policy making and, and good, strong decision making. However, you know, there are still gaps uh, and still anomalies here, like this particular lady who falls into yeah. this. So, you know, it is definitely something that I think it's worth reaching out to the uh, reaching out to the department, um, looking for clarity and things like that, because we can't have a situation where people are losing um, their booking deposits. No, you know, b- because of this. So, well, ho- know, look, ho- ho- I, hopefully, I, common I, sense I, will prevail here. But obviously, we're talking about the bank. Yeah, so, absolutely. but I think the banks are a little bit worried, and I suppose all everyone, I suppose my generation are because I suppose of the last crash, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, is this going to go on now for five years?" I think this is a short term. Um, crisis. Um, and what I mean, short term, yeah. three, four, six months. I don't. We don't mean six years, like the last one. So, I I think we yeah. will get out of this. Like the the property market will bounce back, whether it's in September or whether it's June. Because at the moment, if we could, if all of a sudden, uh, Minister Harris or Leo Vradkar came out tomorrow and said, right, we've actually found a cure for it. It's 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 everyone go back to work on Saturday or from next week we would have full houses at all of our properties because yeah. there's, that, there's that much yeah. demand there. But it just means, obviously, people get jobs and, and, and normal life again, you know, so. Yeah. Actually, I, you know what, I, I think that's a really good point to make. Look, absolutely, what's happening at the moment um, doesn't nullify the demand that was there in advance. But there will be some, you know, there will be some changes. And I actually, I think just in relation to the scenario, uh, the lady who emailed me last night, I, you know, obviously we want to look at ways to make sure that people don't lose deposits on properties but you know uh, there is kind of a responsibility here that obviously we don't want the banks advancing mortgages to people whose circumstances have changed to the extent that they may not be able to support a mortgage so you know um, um, I'm not I'm not in any way proposing that that if an approval in principle is there, that it should be maintained because in some cases that simply wouldn't be responsible. Yeah. But I think in terms of protecting people who are in that position, um, until until we know what the likely impacts are going to be. But um, but, 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 I, but, I, I but, but, but just right. on that point, Carol, like, it, it is still very yeah. important to, for people to know it's still cheaper to buy than it is to rent. And I guarantee you, if that lady yeah. was to rent that property, an investor came in and bought that property, for if she was to rent that property, she'd probably be paying... 50% more uh, on the rent or maybe 100% more on the rent than she is on the repayments every month. So I, I think I, I, if I was that lady, I would fight for that. I would, I'd open the communication lines. I wouldn't be doing stuff over email. I'd actually pick up the phone and talk to people. A lot of the people in the yeah. she is getting um, the, 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 the what's it called, the Rebuild Ireland owner or whatever it was called. Sorry. Yeah. It's been yeah. named a couple of different names over the years. Um, 
No, but that's the it, rebuilding the rebuilding Ireland. Ireland uh, yeah. home so like I said, yeah. obviously the, the local authorities um, are all working from home and they don't have the systems at home to help. So at the moment, I don't think that could, clo- that could close anyway if, the, if, the, if they're waiting for money to come through from there anyway um, because those people are working from home, uh, as I'm led to believe. So there wouldn't be any drawdown of funds anyway until those people in the local authorities got back into the buildings. Yeah, okay. Look, you know, obviously I will... I will um, refer this person on to somebody who can help hopefully our own convincing solicitor will yeah. step up there but um look we'll we leave it there for now um that was ray cook thank you so thank much you. for joining us ray managing director of ray cook auctioneers and look hopefully we'll touch base after this and see how the market is picking up um so our thanks again to ray for joining us we need to take a quick break now stay tuned 93.9 Dublin South FM. Welcome back to Property Matters on Dublin South FM with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or by email at hello at iPropertyRadio.com. I'm delighted to be joined on the air now by John Warren, CEO of JLL in Ireland. And John also heads up the investment team. So, John, thank you very much for joining me today. No problem, Phil. Good morning, Carol. Um, so, John, just um, we were discussing there the challenges of remote working. Uh, there's a there's a lot um, there's a there's a lot to get used to. There certainly is. We've been very fortunate in so far as about twelve months ago we introduced a policy into the office which was called agile working, which basically meant that anybody uh, at any time can work from home within our organisation. So. Luckily, we've had a bit of a trial run on it, but that's not to say that it's it's not without its difficulties. So at least we had all our IT uh, set up. As we were talking about Microsoft Teams and Cisco WebEx are now becoming uh, buzzwords that everybody uses. Uh, that being said, uh, thinking about it, uh, property sometimes is quite a creative industry. Uh, so collaboration is required. And no matter how many video calls you have, how much video conference you do, you still miss that day-to-day contact of having your people around you bouncing yeah. off each other. So it's uh, it's difficult, and it's, uh, but hopefully it's temporary. Yeah, no, look, a- absolutely. And I think um, the whole concept of agile working, you know, there are so many benefits to it. Um, but the reality is that over the last number of years, this has really, a lot of these technologies have been more driven by, novelty towards innovation as opposed to necessity and when we're using it as a necessity you know some of the some of the um uh, some of the details actually really cause challenges like for example i i saw in the first couple of weeks zoom meetings just went on much too long and you know there was almost meetings for the sake of meetings that felt like the meetings culture of maybe the 1980s or 1990s and there was an element of that whereas definitely by week three and week four we can see fatigue setting in so um I, I i'm just wondering in terms of collaboration you know is there a better way do we need to be doing that more efficiently you can always do it more efficiently i think that's uh, <laughs> that's probably fair i think that there's always a risk uh, in these situations and most companies are the same that you become very internalized. Uh, you spend a lot of time talking to each other rather than talking to your clients, which is, uh, and they're the people who really need to hear from me at this moment of time. So we're, we've quite an amount of discipline around it. So uh, we have team meetings. They don't last any longer than 30 minutes during the day. And it really is just for everybody to update people on what's been happening. Yeah. Um, and, uh, 
<clears throat> but undoubtedly, you're right. Fatigue is starting to set in. Uh, as you say, uh, the novelty has well and truly worn off. And uh, this great speculation in the industry at the moment is, is, is this going to change how people work uh, indefinitely? I don't think that it will. I think it, all that will happen is that the people will learn that they can work flexibly from this. And I think more flexible working practices will be brought into into businesses, but at the end of the day, where you need collaboration, I think people will be, I know a lot of people in my place would be quite happy to go back to the office tomorrow morning if they could just to escape. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, one of the things we're seeing is that our homes aren't designed for all family members to be in at the same time while following their own respective interests, whether it's studying or working or playtime or whatever it is. But in terms of communications, um, you know, JLL are doing a great job at the moment that you've just issued your Q1 report. Um, so look, we might just we might just touch on that. So in relation to your report, this is on the office market, um, you're reporting a significant level of take up in, in Q1. But how how is this um how is this report aging even over the last number of weeks? So <laughs> Q, quarter one performance, how indicative of 2020 market performance is that? Uh, it's probably unrealistic to think that uh, it'll be replicated, I would have thought. Like, I mean, a lot of the performance in Q1 was a carryover from the end of Q4 2019, where there quite a number of deals have been agreed, but actually haven't just been legally legally completed. So of the nearly million square feet of of transactions that have taken place a lot of those were, were q4 2019 deals i think what we're going to see in the market during the year is delay and so we don't think that people are necessarily going to go away and not do transactions that they would have done already but purely by virtue of the fact that the building sites are shut delivery times are getting delayed everything is just taking longer and longer so we sort of see about a six-month hiatus in activity as people get used to the so-called new normal. Um, So it's very, very difficult to predict. There's still another, nearly another million square feet of space reserved already this year as well, which would have been again Q1 Q1 transactions. So adding the two of those together gets you up to a couple of million square feet. Then it's difficult really to see afterwards uh, how much more will happen over the course of the year. But as I said, it's interesting. Big corporates are still looking to expand. They're still looking to take new space, but just at a considerably slower pace than they were previously. OK, and I know it's, it's very premature to be even asking this question, but um, in terms of the report that issued, you know, we could see that technology, media and telecom sectors are actually driving the growth of the office sector. Um, those three sectors, are they likely to be impacted are they likely to be ones that will change work practices after this you know we start the conversation by talking about um you know maybe a changing role of future offices so across the media technology and telecoms you know are they ones that are more likely to adopt more agile working uh, or more efficient use of offices in, in fairness to them i think they're they've been early adapters of a lot of this type of uh, technology already like i mean the um, so, and they're also going to be winners in this, I think, as well. Like, I mean, the, the big tech companies, the big biopharma companies are going to benefit and, and win out of, out of this crisis, I think, as well. So, um, 
they're already doing it. In fact, they've they blazed the trail to a large extent for a lot of people that a lot of other people are actually copying at the moment. Are you referring to maybe um, office trends and agile, agile working trends? Agile working trends in particular, um, uh, where the, the office is definitely more fluid from these companies' perspective. The presenteeism, which would be <clears throat> something that maybe a lot of professional services companies in particular would 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 look at doesn't really matter for these guys uh, a lot of the work that we do with them already um given a lot of them are us based companies as well we've been using all this technology with them already so they're well used to it and i think they'll just continue to uh, continue to use it and continue to adapt their models to it Okay. And um, John, in addition to being CEO of JLL in Ireland, you also head up the investment team. So, I mean, are you seeing any uh, attitude changes um, towards investment in Ireland? I suppose that the, the attitude still is pretty favourable to Ireland, which is actually very encouraging. We, we've spent the last four or five weeks talking to all our client base, bearing in mind that at the moment, about 75% of the investors in the market are overseas-based. So we've been touching base with them saying, is this going to change your mind? And they're saying, no, not necessarily. Uh, and they're looking at real estate again as a defensive uh, a defensive asset. So they're quite still quite interested in office buildings uh, let on long leases to good covenants. They're still very interested in the private rented sector in particular. So multifamily um, residential investments, very, very interested in logistics uh, because people feel that the supply chain is going to change uh, both arising out of this and also arising out of Brexit in due course as well. So those are the three sectors that are being treated favorably. Naturally, retail is struggling. So uh, retail investment at this moment in time is is off everybody's plate, um, which is not unsurprising given the, the the difficulties that the sector is currently covering and hotels and the leisure sector are struggling a little bit as well. Those are the sort of the two areas of, of concern. But at the moment, plenty of German money still looking to get into the market. Uh, some opportunistic money looking to see if they can take advantage of any distress, although we don't actually see that much distress at the moment, which is encouraging. I think it's probably important to point out this feels a lot different to the global financial crisis in 2008, 2009. Um, there's still a lot of liquidity out there. The banks aren't in as bad a shape in Ireland as they were then. So it just it feels like it should be temporary. Uh, my biggest concern, if I was to be looking looking for the negative, would be that it endures and goes for a lot longer than we're anticipating. And if it does go okay. longer... Uh, but by longer, by longer than you anticipate, is that really longer than kind of the six month impact that you're preparing? For? I th yeah, I think we, we we've modelled various scenarios in our business to see how um, how the business will show resilience to this. We expect to see some uptick in activity in Q4 of this year. If we don't see that and it runs into say the middle of next year, then I think you've got a wider issue. Okay. And, you know, it's interesting when you were talking about the sectors that are impacted, obviously we see kind of the hotel, leisure and tourism, you know, were among the first to be impacted. But if we take a look at retail, um, you know, it, it 
feels like this is, uh, again, speeding up a trend that was already happening in the marketplace. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Um, there's there's no doubt that um, people were moving towards online. Like, I mean, It's interesting, if you look across Europe, the, the, the highest online penetrations in the UK, they about 18% of their sales are all online. We're, we're running at about... Eight percent, I think, at the moment, but had the fastest growing online uh, growth of any country in, in Western Europe. Um, France, Italy, Spain—not really online places at all—but have suddenly realised that that it exists and have, are going to adopt it as well. So I think this will accelerate further the changes in retail that are going to happen. Okay, and I look. I, I do think that that's part of a broader conversation in terms of change in consumer demands, and I think you know so it would be difficult to attribute um, the impact when we look back maybe over a 12 or 18 or 24 month period, it would be difficult to isolate the impact of COVID-19 as opposed to trends that were already at play in the marketplace. Um, but John, in terms of um, the the investment, you know, with 75% investment coming in from overseas and, you know, you, you talk about kind of the opportunistic money there looking for opportunities. In that context, how important is the leadership shown by Irish government and policymakers at this time? I think it's very important um, because uh, overseas investors look very, very, very carefully at how we behave. Um, and certainly some of the, the tax changes that were introduced in recent budgets, increases in stamp duty, um, which were uh, not very well uh, announced um, and came as large surprises to the marketplace, certainly dented some overseas investor confidence. Like They want to invest in countries that are transparent, have good legal frameworks and are easy to do business in. So I think the government have shown leadership. So I think they've maybe made up a little bit of lost ground over the last, which they certainly in their last budget, they annoyed a lot of overseas investors, but to put it, to put it mildly. Um, so at least it gives them some opportunity to sort of say, well, we're dealing with this in a sort of a professional, calm manner. And when you compare it, say, to maybe the United Kingdom, the United States, it looks like we're being quite mature about it. Um, so I think that will help. Um, and uh, that's really all, all, all the government can do. Um, I think sometimes we want to do absolutely everything for us. All they can do is create the frameworks that allow us to do what we need to do to, to assist people. Yeah, okay. And I, look, I, I think that's a, that's a very fair point, and it probably needs to be looked at in the context that we're actually still technically in a, in a caretaker uh, government, Indeed. you know, which, which makes policymaking um potentially uh, less predictable. Yep. I don't disagree with you. Yeah. Okay. Um, John, is there anything that we need to be doing as an industry to prepare, you know, to to get back on an even footing? You know, you, you talked about how this is a very different type of a crisis to, you know, what we might have seen hit the, hit the country and, and indeed um, the global um, economy a decade ago. Is there anything that the industry needs to be doing now to prepare for a strong return? Yes, I think there is actually, because I think it's uh, people forget uh, that property is the fundamental to how the economy performs. It's the houses that we live in, it's the shops that we shop in, it's the offices that we work in. So we need to be able to 
hit the ground running day one, get back onto construction sites as quickly as possible so people can start delivering uh, that opportunity. One of the biggest issues that we're having as a business at the moment is in order to sell or lease property, you need to be able to get people to inspect it. Uh, We've got all sorts of virtual inspections and virtual tours, but people still need to touch and feel the, the space before they'll commit to it. So having protocols in place day one, how you're going to allow people to get into buildings, what you're going to do will be very, very important so that we can get up to some level of efficiency and productivity because I have no doubt that the last four weeks productivity levels in the industry have, have fallen off a cliff. Oh, yeah. Look, that, that's a very fair point. And in terms of those protocols to return, it sounds like maybe the the real estate sector needs something similar to what the Construction Industry Federation did for the construction sector. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if if uh, that kind of leadership rises here. But look, I, I think it's part of a broader conversation that we're probably going to be having over the next couple of weeks. Uh, for the moment, we leave it there. That was John Moran, CEO of JLL in Ireland. We need to take another short break. I'll be back shortly. Stay tuned. 93.9 Dublin South FM. And welcome back to Property Matters on Dublin South FM with myself, Carol Tallon. We are, of course, recording from home as the radio station is operating remotely and in full compliance with government guidelines. So I'm delighted to be joined by phone um, by PJ Appleton and Adam Malik, co-founders of Blockspring. So, gentlemen, um, you've both been on the show before and we've been delighted to talk to you in your previous capacity working for a, a prop tech company. But now you have joined together to co-found Blockspring. So tell us about that. Sure. Well, firstly, Carol, it's a great pleasure to be here. You're right. Uh, PG and I have both been on your show uh, in the past, and this time you get the, the double act. Um, Delighted. <laughs> uh, so Blockspring is a prop tech scale-up engine. So we're really focused on helping ambitious prop tech providers to do two things. One is to boost their sales and secondly, to grow their brands and their profile. And PJ and I found that there were plenty of consultancies that were supporting the real estate sector. So the the buy side, but less so on the provider side. And, you know, since launching, we've had inquiries coming in from all corners of the world, which is a great testament to the growth of PropTechs. We've had interest coming from the Far East, from North America, from Europe, um, and really what we're doing is trying to create a fit-for-purpose uh, venture which supports companies' sales and, and communications um, objectives. Okay, and do you break that down between, uh, say, prop techs who are providing um, a B2B solution as opposed to those who are, who are looking for to launch a consumer uh, facing solution because obviously the challenges will be very different. No, that's actually it's a it's a great question. No, we actually work across all uh, asset classes and and really actually the the companies that we're working with tend to fall into two sort of stages. One is normally uh, the sort of the startup, I guess, sort of pre seed funding stage uh, company uh, who are really uh, you know trying to work on proof 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 concepts and and begin to take their their product to market. And the second stage is really that kind of scale up, I guess, as you call them, uh, company. So really anything from sort of a seeded company all the way through to Series B or or, or C funding. So a whole breadth of different companies. And it's been really interesting, Carol. I mean, in the last couple of weeks, it's been just fascinating looking at the different sort of solution and creative 
uh, you know, providers that are, that are out there across residential, across commercial, you know, all manner of, of different asset classes. And I think Adam and I have been just so enthused by uh, just, the, I think, the, the energy and the, and the buzz around the sector at the moment. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And well, what's interesting, you know, I, I can remember um, launching, I, I launched my first property business back in 2006, um, really just as the big crash was was on there, was just was just coming at us. And, you know, I, there's there's certain there's certain things that you learn going through a crisis. But you guys have just launched at a time when I mean, look, uh, a <laughs> of understatement. But yes, you're launching something that's that is utterly needed in the market now, as in PropTech is really coming into its own in, in the last two months. So, um, I mean, in terms of the timing, the timing is utterly strange, but are you finding it more of a helpful hindrance? You're spot on, Carol. Um, it couldn't have been a stranger time to, to launch a business. Um, and I think what, one of the things that we've been really fascinated by is uh, the number of companies that have approached us since we formally launched, which is somewhere around 45 different individual businesses. I mean, we've had, you know, back-to-back Zoom calls these past couple of weeks. And I think the, the, the overarching message is that well, it's two things. One is there's a sense of um, nervousness from the companies that we're talking to, and understandably. And secondly, there's a great appetite to adapt and to do something to adjust and to do that quickly, which is really where Blockspring fits in. So we've been both enthused by people's willingness to change um, and also just the validation that what we're providing actually fits into this market. Okay, well, I'm going to ask the tough, uh, Mm. I'm going to put you on the spot slightly and say, you know, you you deal with startups pre-seed do they have the money to consult <laughs> That's a great question, Carol. A, sli- a slightly, uh, a slightly tricky one, but um, no. Look, I think I, I just add actually to, to what Adam was saying that that you know during this period, of course, you know this is a tricky time for a lot of companies. Let's not let's not pretend it isn't. But actually, a lot of them are thinking very carefully now about where they're going and what their direction is. And you know, for startups, actually. You know, you know, working with us, we're saying actually for a for a sort of a comparatively um, small investment, we're actually setting these companies up to succeed really in the long in the long term. The reality is that not every prop tech company will succeed, but actually, if you have the right structures right. and the right frameworks in place, you know, and you know how to sell your offer, you know how to market it, uh, you know how to pitch yourself and, and meet the right people, then actually, you know, this is this is comparatively a very, very small investment. So, yeah, no, look, we've, as I say, we work with two different sort of uh, stages, I guess, of company. And actually, yeah, we've seen we've seen demand from from both people want to want to do business and they're thinking very carefully about where they're going and how they get there. And I think that's a, in, in some ways, mm. I guess the lockdown provides that space to do that. Yeah. And actually, you mentioned there in terms of business failures, you know, we know that startups have a very high failure rate at any time. But I I saw a a really interesting uh, stat that was provided um, by actually by by one of you at your launch around the launch uh, media. And it was talking about the percentage rate of prop techs that you feel were going to, to make it or make it through. And it was like a really shockingly low figure, 5%. Was that taken out of context? Well, I mean, first of all, that that wasn't a, a direct quote from us. So we, we lifted that from um, an industry commentator. But we did actually think okay. about the, the wider kind of message here. And, and that's something we do agree with, which is that it's an incredibly difficult space to, to succeed in. And um, especially now, given where we are in the current climate, but 
you know, we, we think that there is tremendous opportunity for the best startups in the tech space to thrive. And, um, and really, it's, it's our goal to try and identify them and to support them in that growth. Yeah. Now, that's something that I definitely agree with um, in terms of I think that uh, this is going to really test businesses and startups that might have been able to skate by for, you mm. know, 12, 18, 24 months, whereas that I think is not going to be possible now. So actually, one of the things we saw through PropTech Ireland was in the first two to three weeks um, of the of the effects of this pandemic um, on the Irish property market in particular, you know, we saw that calls and emails to PropTech Ireland increased by 250%. And that mm. was in the first two and a half to three weeks. Now, you know, that sounds like a good thing, but unfortunately it isn't because what happened is that all of the demand was coming for the same services and our startups simply didn't have the capacity to deal with that kind of demand, but also they didn't have the capacity to scale. And now that's something. So when I heard about what Blockspring was doing, I thought that was particularly interesting um, because from our point of view, I would say that the traditional industry, um, the traditional industry in Ireland was much too slow to support prop tech startups over the past four to five years. Um, it meant that many ones that that might have maybe succeeded in other countries, didn't succeed. But it also meant that actually the infrastructure wasn't there to support scaling. And now the traditional industry wants all of these startups to be available to them and to be able to provide remote viewing and to be able to provide, um, mm. you know, certain technology in terms of bidding technology. But yet, because the traditional industry didn't support it and because we don't have a great VC um uh, ecosystem here in Ireland it meant that even the really good startups simply weren't able to scale to meet that immediate demand over the space of weeks so I mean is that a uniquely Irish problem is that something you're seeing I think in it's, it's, it's interesting I think I remember the last time you, you and I spoke a little about uh, the fact that um, you know for, for a, well perhaps five years ago certainly even the term prop tech was still quite a sort of scary thing for, for the traditional sort of property industry and it's been a real interesting evolution hasn't it over the last kind of five years and and you know property companies beginning to see you know real value from from some providers now and and beginning to get more comfortable in terms of what they're looking for when it comes to adopting prop tech solutions i th certainly think there has been a change in in the property culture um generally in terms of the infrastructure i i think it's growing all the time and it's so interesting because you know, for example, there are now, you know, the first sort of prop tech focused media, media outlets. There are plenty of VC firms that are wanting to get alongside prop techs, um, you know, certainly, um, you know, all around the world, New York, London and, and across Europe as well. And so I think the infrastructure is growing very quickly. And it's funny, actually, even even following our launch, we actually had somebody say to us, well, you know, even the fact that you guys are are launching this is a sign that actually prop tech is really growing because actually of course you know this is this is another sort of milestone uh thing if you like a kind of a consultancy that's helping helping people scale mm. so yeah. so i i think we think it's uh it, it is a really exciting time um obviously that's had that's it is a tricky because of the, what's been happening with coronavirus but but still 
And do, do you see opportunities? Because from, my, from one of the things that I'm seeing is that maybe some of the technology principles that we've been espousing over the past number of years, now we can see that, you know, where there might have, where we might have been able to talk about their applications, um, there was an element of novelty, whereas now it's necessity. You know, things like mm. remote working, Microsoft Teams, Zoom, you know, these were all things that, you know, people were doing, but again, more for a novelty factor than um, really, really using it to drive efficiencies across the business. And, you know, the fact that that we spent the last number of weeks in a lockdown and many businesses were able to continue is a testament to the technology. Um, but so that to me means that it should be, this should be a game changer for PropTech. You know, the industry now has learned that it cannot survive without technology and that it cannot be left so vulnerable again. But will the appetite be there to invest in the technology that's that's really needed for digital transformation? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point you're raising. I think one of the challenges um, certainly we found in our previous company being a prop uh, organization trying to scale in, in, in the UK and Europe was just around the education piece. And, you know, you do spend a lot of your time educating the market about your product, about the, the space that your product is, is playing in. And I think in some ways this is accelerating that education piece in that a lot of the more traditional end of the real estate market are now recognizing that not only does technology play a really valuable um, uh, part in the way that we work, but it's certainly going to play an even more valuable part in the future of work. And so where some prop tech companies were struggling to kind of get in the door, I think this will accelerate their journey to uh, not only educate those, those buyers, but also to be able to work with them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you were designing mm. your business um, pre-launch, pre-launch, you know, a part of your mission is to help uh, prop tech firms mm. overcome obstacles to scaling. So, I mean, in the last six weeks, the obstacles identified, have they changed? I think obviously logistically there are there are increased obstacles because of simply just just the fact that we can't physically meet and uh, and do business face to face. But but I think in terms of the the, the sort of the typical obstacles that companies face, you know, I, I'll go back to that point about, you know, I guess, and I'm talking about the longer term obstacles here, but things like the limited experience in sales and comms and, and I guess those limited um, resources in terms of time and, and, and money and needing to use those wisely in order to scale successfully those those things remain um and i think you know another thing that that, that has been really interesting and, and and actually really exciting in terms of the conversations that adam and i are having is is probably a an obstacle that's that's unique to companies who are looking to grow outside of their domestic market so you know adam and i have been speaking to companies in japan um denmark finland uh, canada all who are looking to grow overseas and actually that in itself is 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 an excitement mm. but it is also a huge challenge and you know adam and i are, are really trying to get alongside those businesses and, and and say to them look these are the things you need to do in order to land in a new market successfully so uh, yeah i think of course look coronavirus has huge logistic uh, issues in terms of what's happening day to day but i think long term those challenges remain the same and and when we get out the other side of this you know those are going to be the things that people need to focus on yeah okay no absolutely and in terms of the sales and communications well let's let's take the sales first um if you're working with a prop tech startup, 
that's uh, consumer facing. So um, dealing directly with the consumers. How is that different to where you're dealing with ones maybe that are dependent on selling into the B2B market? They're actually selling into the traditional industry. Is there a different approach required? I, I think those? this all boils down to um, the same starting point, Carol, which is just to take a step back and, and reflect on on what what process that startup has been using, what um, what different stages are in in their sales process, and where do they find things that are typically breaking down? And I think one that's one of the the advantages that that Blockspring bring is is kind of having this this um, analytical mind of being able to identify you know where the bottlenecks are, where things are breaking down, and then helping to helping the prop tech companies to, to navigate that and to effectively streamline that process so that they can reduce the number of bottlenecks and ultimately to grow their businesses and increase their sales. Okay, well, what kind of specific advice are you giving to firms that you're dealing with now at the moment, you know, just in in, in the stage of containment and shutdown mm-hmm. that most of the planet is in? You know, what kind of advice, what can prop tech firms be doing to to, I, I suppose, make better yeah, use of Yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. I think the first point is, look, they are under pressure. Uh, well, a number of firms are under pressure and we can't pretend it's, it's you know, these are straightforward kind of playing conditions because they're, they're not necessarily everyone's having to navigate this time. But I think, I think three things. I think, number one, keep close to, to customers. So I think, you know, it's, it's vital that actually, um, you know, providers uh, offer help to their customers um, in, in the short term and really uh, listen to them, listen to what their specific needs are during during this period. And I think in doing so, they're going to really build loyalty for the long term if they do that. So I think that's number one, staying close to the customers. I think number two, as we're saying, is is looking at, at, at the direction, using this opportunity to look at the direction of where they're going and where the market's going. So this, you know, th- this period is potentially speeding up the, the sort of rate of evolution and change within the industry. It could be more like a revolution at the end of this in terms of the way people mm. use people use Absolutely. workspace. So, you know, we can't predict exactly what it's going to look like, but be prepared to, to look at, at where you might need to change, you know, tweak things. And I, I think the third and final thing is stay relevant because I think, you know, keep going on the marketing and sales front, you know, do not become the kind of the forgotten provider that only does business when the, when the times are good. You know, keep working hard to stay in front of the the customer you know actually i I love that and i think that really comes down Mm. to the key communication side of it as well and you know it's interesting i had we had um anthony slumbers on the show a couple of weeks ago and he also made the point about how this is really going to speed up the evolution it's going to speed up trends Mm. that were already in motion but Mm. it's going to speed them up at a really unprecedented rate. So from that point of view, I'm sure there are many people who will look at you both and and think sympathetically Mm. that this was not the time (laughs) to start this business. Whereas I would actually, I would actually hold the view that I think that this is going to be a really pivotal moment for Mm. prop tech Mm. in Europe, because we haven't, we haven't, you know, we've seen traction over the past uh, three years you know I mean we, mm. we've been choking away for many years but the real traction has only come in the last two to three years but uh, I, I'm still not convinced we were at a tipping point whereas actually I think that this might be the this might be the event that triggers us um, and that gets us to the tipping point so actually you're at a very mm. exciting yeah we think so us. too and um, funnily enough we also t- talked to Anthony Slumbers a little while ago and he said precisely the same thing and <laughs> You know, you can't never predict these things when you're starting a business. Um, and I'll come back to a, an earlier point that I made, Carol, which was just around 
you know, there's only so much we can do when we're trying to launch a business in terms of getting that market validation. Of course, you know, we spoke to some some prop tech companies before launching BlockSpring to see what the the appetite or A, what the appetite is, and B, are they willing to pay for it, to your to your earlier question. And I think, mm. you know, just in terms of how the last couple of weeks have gone and the number of inquiries we've had, the number of inbound messages PJ and I have had through, through Twitter and through LinkedIn really kind of emphasizes that validation that, you know, what we've set up here does really fulfill a much-needed place in the prop tech landscape. Yeah, look, I absolutely agree. And I think that this is going to be such an important time. And I think this will be a point that we look back at and we'll say, OK, this is when things mm. really started to shift and this is where they started to change. And I'm so delighted that that BlockSpring has been launched in time to to really influence that and impact it. So I look forward to watching how it progresses and, and speaking to you both again. So for now, we leave it there. That was PJ Appleton and Adam Malik of BlockSpring. Thank you both so much for taking the time to talk to us. And I can hear in the background the family <laughs> commitments and everything are, are, are calling for you. So I appreciate the time. That's, Indeed. That's the, joy, that's the joy of remote working. So look, um, that's it. That's it from us on the show today. Thank you for listening into Property Matters on Dublin South FM, the show where property matters. Get in touch by emailing hello at iPropertyRadio.com or on Twitter at iPropertyRadio. Also, our thanks to Peter Rice on sound and to show producer Katie Tallon of Hear Me Roar Media. We're back at the same time next week. From myself, Carol Tallon, and all the team here, stay safe.